0: Uh today I'm gonna to be sharing a message on hospitality. I know I'm a natural. I know, I got it. <laughs> well, the one, who, the one who the one who the one who was supposed to be here, my wife with me, um, is not here. So I'm like, Well, okay, I guess I'm gonna be talking about hospitality alone. So she's not that good at it anyway. I kind of I kind of I kind of, you know, keep it going. Um so yeah, I'm the driving force. For
1: sure.
0: <laughs> uh, last week, uh, Brian uh, shared uh, an excellent message on being Holy and, holy Spirit-empowered servants. Who had a chance to listen to that last week or watch it. Or, okay. And, um, you know, my only critique afterwards to Brian was that he really didn't share too much of his personal servanthood journey. And uh, my encouragement to him was, Right, so, bro, you live this every day, and you are the perfect person to share this message. And so let me take a moment and affirm both Brian and Vanessa um, as people that really live that message that was spoken last week. And if you want to understand a servant, just follow him around for a few days. And, um, and that was the only thing. I know he's humble. He didn't want to draw attention to himself. I mean, I'm not going to be as humble. I'm going to draw attention to myself. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Uh, but um, I, I honestly felt like, you know, that was my only critique, was like, Brian, you know, your journey, your story is really helpful to people because you've been living this since I met you, basically, which is about 100 years. He right. was almost a fetus when I met him, probably, <laughs> pretty much. So Again, I shouldn't have said that, but it came into my mind. So today I'm going to be sharing hospitality. I also have some other voices involved in the process. So it's going to be a bit of a different evening, and I'm going to hit my points uh, quickly, and then we have three different people sharing their hospitality journey. Hospitality, when you look it up, the strange thing, it came, it came up when I read it in the dictionary. It said Part of it says, Scottish people are good at hospitality. I'm like, what? <laughs> Grew up in England. We would never give that to the Scots, ever. <laughs> So it basically says, The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. And words connected with it, generosity, liberality, bountifulness, open-handedness. And the New Testament, as we probably know, is ripe with hospitality. It's been said that hospitality is central to the meaning of the gospel and the heart of the Christian faith. Uh, Willis and Clements wrote this, anytime we practice hospitality, we put human flesh on this gospel story. The apostle Paul made this idea clear when he wrote, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So we've seen this theme over the last few weeks of extending ourselves and servanthood and generosity, and this will be another kind of part of our mission statement what who knows the part of our mission statement this applies to we are the Hospital. Hospital family we are the hospitable family of jesus eh? well done you've only heard it a thousand times and you actually remember that one simple line so congratulations um <laughs> and it's also on the screen uh for sure um It's interesting because I'm going to be focusing on opening homes and sharing in that way. And that's not the only way that hospitality is exhibited. I get that. Um, I will tell you, uh, a number of years ago, I went to a large church in the U.S. I visited that church, I think, I was trying to ask my wife, but I think we visited three times, for sure, twice. And my memory of this massive church, which was thriving and had fantastic worship and all those things was that in the three visits, I'll say, that we did there, not one person talked to us. It was a bunch of young people, no offense, young people, <laughs> um, but there was a thriving church. It was, a, you know, the who's who of churches to be in. We went in there, and we were shocked. We re- not, literally, not one person spoke to us. They did not welcome us as Christ had welcomed them. And uh, there was a distinct lack of hospitality that we experienced in that context. And so let me ask you a question. If I lived in that area, do you feel like I would want to go back and be a part of that, that church family? Yes or no? Yeah, I wouldn't. There was no... I didn't care about the preaching, the quality of the preaching, or how amazing the worship was. The fact that... The thing, I, don't even, I don't know what they preached that day, but what I do know is nobody talked to us three times we went there. Nobody. So, you know, so that being said, that is a lack of hospitality, but we're going to be more specific and talk about how we as the body of Christ get to exercise hospitality. First of all, hospitality is not entertainment. It's not entertaining. It's different. Entertaining is about the food, the atmosphere, the decor, the the candles, you know, the, the dim lights. That's what entertaining is about. Proverbs 15, 17, I think, gives us some really nice framework for this. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Hospitality is actually not about the food. Hospitality is about the heart. Dr. Craig Crafts said this. He said, for Christians, hospitality is extending the privileges of community to those who do not have the standing to expect it. So here's my kind of foundational premise of hospitality. Jesus flung open the doors of his house, his kingdom, and invited strangers, actually God's enemies, us, inside without regard for our history or our character and accepted us without reservation. He calls us His adopted sons and daughters, His brothers and sisters, His beloved, His joint heirs, and asks us to dine at His table as part of His family. He promises promises us that once we come in that door, it's only the beginning of an unimaginably glorious relationship that will culminate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hospitality is all through the Scriptures. Basically, big events happen around food in the Bible. (laughs) Big events. So I've got four points, and I'm going to have people start to come up. But when I say four points, it doesn't mean four minutes. Just so you know. (laughs) Point number one. Okay, oh, this is going to be... No, it's not going to be as quick as you think. Number one. Hospitality is not a defined spiritual gift. Hospitality is not a defined spiritual gift. Um, Somebody wrote this, Hospitality is not a gift unto itself, but a means through which other spiritual gifts are displayed. Mercy, serving, giving, and evangelizing. When people call hospitality a spiritual gift, they basically are referencing 1 Peter chapter 4. um, But it's actually no more of an an additional spiritual gift than love is. 1 Peter 4 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, period. Then he goes on to say, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Then it talks about the different gifts, which I'm not going to read at this point. And I'm very glad that there is no defined gift, spiritual gift of hospitality, because you know what happens when there's a defined gift of anything. You know what happens, right? We all say, they're amazing at it, and we will cheer them on. Go do it. Go do that hospitality thing which you're so gifted to do. And um, the reality is is that hospitality is not just practiced by people that are good at it. People that are good at it are good at it because they've been practicing it. It's not a gift, not a separate gift. My fourth point is we have no excuse. I jumped ahead. But I'm not. That's not what well, no, I normally do. I do miss out number two and three typically, and then go right to four. Okay, <laughs> number two. Number two. Hospitality is a thermometer of our spiritual health. Hospitality is a thermometer of our of our spiritual health. It it checks our spiritual temperature. You know, I'm not sure how we can read through the New Testament and read about the Good Samaritan or the this massive. Act of hospitality, the feeding of the Um, 5,000. Or Zacchaeus, the the tax collector, welcoming Jesus warmly into his house. Or the early church being in and out of each other's homes every day. Not to mention, of course, all the explicit New Testament commands to practice hospitality, which are many. I can't imagine how we can read that without concluding that the natural response to being loved and accepted by Jesus is to practically love and accept others if we have no desire to be hospitable is quite a statement i think about our relationship with christ if it is not on our radar if we shy away from it if we have no desire to be hospitable that is not something you can say i'm a strong christian but actually have no desire to be hospitable that's an oxymoron and those morons are bad <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's a, I don't even know why. It's not in my nose. <laughs> Obviously. I would say this. If you don't feel like doing it, push past your feelings. Yeah. If you don't feel like doing it, you know, push past your feelings. I, I, I'm going to have to say that Edwina is like, she is a machine for this stuff. And she'll be like, how about we have people over on Friday? And I'm like, hmm, sure. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'd love to say that every time, every time she asks me, like the angels appear, you know, appear above me, and it's like the heavens open, and there's, it's, it's, no, it's difficult for times. It's like, oh, man, I was, oh, the raps are playing. <laughs> oh, man, the Jays are on, you know, whatever, the, whatever your deal is. And, and so I'm just saying, like, if you don't feel like it, That's okay. That doesn't give you an excuse not to do it. You practice it. You push through it, those feelings. And the amazing thing is every time I do it, after I've gone through the experience, I'm like, man, I'm so glad we did that. Wow, mystery. It happens with all spiritual things. You push through the resistance. You practice something. On the other side of that practice is pleasure and, and joy. It's an amazing thing. So you can't Wait till you feel it. You practice. I mean, if you ever go to the gym or you're on a sports team or whatever the case may be, you're practicing through the pain. It's not wonderful. You think it's great to go to the gym early or jump on a bike or do whatever you do at the gym or if you don't do it, play for a team. It's not much fun, a lot of it. But you push through the pain because on the other side of the pain is gain. See, that's pathetic. (laughs) And the other thing, too, is hospitality is a prerequisite for church leadership. It's not even optional. If you want to be a church leader in any capacity, uh, Titus 1.8, rather, it says, talking about elders, but it goes across the board for any church leader, rather he must uh, enjoy having guests in his home. Not just have them, enjoy having them. That takes sometimes pushing through. And he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. All right, number three, hospitable churches grow. Hospitable churches grow. I believe hospitality is the secret weapon of the church. Psalm 68, 5 and 6, reading from the New Living. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, and he gives them joy. What a passage of of Scripture. God takes the lonely and puts them in families. You know, I wrote this, I wrote, Outsiders become insiders around kitchen tables. Outsiders become insiders around kitchen tables. Rosaria Butterfield said this, Hospitality that gathers brothers and sisters alongside unsaved neighbors and strangers isn't charity or kindness. Rather, it takes the gospel upstream of the culture war, where it belongs, and shakes the very gates of heaven for the souls of our neighbors. I was thinking about this. Where would the early church have been without Aquila and Priscilla? Uh, Their hospitality, extending it to both the Apostle Paul and to the new convert, Apollos. Um, or how, you know, think about how the, the, the gospel was heard by the Gentiles for the first time. Where was it heard? In a home. Cornelius opened his home. Paul was able to go into a home, experience the hospitality, and share the gospel with them at that moment. Uh, Cornelius opened both his home and his heart. And the the thing I will just kind of complete this section with is you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You know, Romans 16, 23. Romans 16 is such an interesting read because it's just like this list of people. But I think it takes, Romans 16 shows you Paul's heart. It's a list of people. You know, call so-and-so, thank him, you know, remember my, I left my cloak over at Troas or whatever it is, it's like, you know, bring my jacket back, uh, you know, it's like this super personal list, remember me to so-and-so, church meets in the home, you know, there's all these very personal kind of greetings, and you realize Paul wasn't like some pulpit pioneer, who's just away from the people, Paul lived among the people, experienced them, and this passage in Romans 16 says, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. What Wouldn't Well, I tell you, I would love, I would love that to be written on my tombstone. What an amazing thing that's written in scriptures forever, for everyone to read, Gaius. It didn't say, you know, uh, not Gaius, uh, whose spiritual wisdom and apologetic gift wowed us all. I'm not saying those are wrong. I'm saying those are great too. But man, Paul recognized this man publicly because he gave hospitality to the whole church. Not his select favorite few. Not the ones he gelled with or had things in common with. The joy of the church, the kingdom of God, is that people from different walks and different cultures and different classes the kingdom of God is the ultimate leveler. We can all sit around the table and we are on the same ground. No one's higher, no one's lower. So Gaius was known for hospitality. My, fa- my fourth and final point is there are no excuses. Marrieds, singles, even widows, all of us are called to practice hospitality. So for the married, I will tell you this teamwork is required. Um, when we have guests over, we are both all in, okay? We're both all in. I've heard people in the past say, well, I want to do it, but so-and-so doesn't want to get involved in it. No, no, that's not... We're all in when it comes to hospitality. Now, I handle the cooking, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So in our, in our case, it's like I do the pre and the post, that's how it works out. So I'll do the cleanup. I'll do the vacuuming. I'll do the bathrooms. I'll do all that stuff. I do the pre. Edwina does the food, and um, and then I do the post. So at the end of the day, is I do all the cleanup. I'm not. I mean, I'm drawing attention to myself, actually. <laughs> uh, but I'm just telling you, practically speaking, it's teamwork. It's when it comes to hospitality, both people in a, in a married scenario, you're both all in. All right, so don't think it's, we'll do it, but so and so is going to carry the load. No, you, you find a way of sharing it, whatever that works for you. Some, some guys are better cooks and whatever, whatever works, but you're both all in. Okay? You're not going to have one person watching TV, the other person doing everything. That's not how it works, okay? For the singles, um, you know, maybe you don't have the availability to invite. Maybe you live at home and you don't necessarily have that freedom, but maybe you do. And you've never asked, so maybe ask first. But here's a a way that a single can actually practice hospitality. You can find some people that you would like to be hospitable to and say, hey, is it okay if we come over with food and just bless you? Is it okay if we come over to your home, give us a time that works for you, and we'll we'll bring the food. We just would love to take care of you. Hospitality, practically. So no excuses, singles. I'm waiting for the call. And then interesting, the first Timothy chapter five gives instructions to widows that will be eligible for support. So there was this kind of, there was eligibility for support from the church. And interestingly, first Timothy five says this, that they have shown hospitality and washed the feet of the feet of the saints. That was a prerequisite for them to be supported by the church. So you think widows? Wow, widows! I know it's at such a difficult uh, stage in people's lives, and I'm saying it is. But in the kingdom, there is purpose in widowhood and, and or, or widowerhood. You know, if one person if one person passes, you still have a purpose. You can still be fruitful in the kingdom of God, even though it's a dramatically painful chapter in your life. So I just want to to encourage that. And I don't see any scriptural loopholes that allow us to tap out here. Any. The church was birthed in hospitality, it's thrived with hospitality, and it will grow with hospitality. By God's people saying, my doors are open, my fridge is open, come dine with me. Three stories. Brian and Vanessa, come up first, please. So I asked uh, I asked three people that have been on their own hospitality journey just to share for five minutes, um, on what they've experienced. Yeah, that's fine. Let's just move over
1: here. Just <laughs> go.
0: <laughs> yeah, just go. Like, what do you want me to say? I've said everything. Here you are, Brian <laughs> I Vanessa. One more going to say. We're ask questions. Brian Vanessa Evans. I I sent you the questions. Yes. You know. <laughs>
2: Okay, I've got questions. Hi, everyone. So yeah, I'm Vanessa, Brian. Um, so <laughs> um, yeah, um, just a little bit about like our hospitality journey. So for me, um, uh, growing up, we did have a lot of hospitality, I guess, shown to me in a sense of um, My parents would always have our house pretty much open. They would always allow us to invite friends over for anything, like lunchtime, because we were so close to school. Um, But then other side of that is my parents opened their home to daycare center, my mom started, and foster kids, and exchange students at one point. So we would always be sharing our home and our spaces with lots of people, strangers, some. So that that's kind of a background, and so I would say like that was shown to me. I was kind of in that space. So it wasn't really my preference, my choice, in a sense. Um, so then, when like moved out on my own as a grown up, we got our own apartment. I think I kind of got that. This is my space, my quiet. Now yeah. I can yeah. I can be quiet. <laughs> I can <Yeah>. be alone. <laughs> um, so that kind of was kind of maybe where I was coming from um, and then we kind of just being in church culture always hearing um, you know it's good to be hospitable to reach out and um, Brian more so than I has always been like we got to invite people over we got to open our home we got to do this we got to do that um, he's very much the outgoing type personality. <laughs> Um, and for me, in that first, yeah, in that first, like, well, we we're in a basement apartment, like, no, we're not having people over, like, this is gross. <laughs> yes. um, and then, but we, we did, we had a few people over now and again. Um, and then even when we were blessed with a bigger space in a townhouse, um, we were still, kind of, I was still kind of hesitant, like, you know, this isn't the perfect space, like, We've uh, always had this hospitality um, example to us quite well, like even with Mike and Edwina, um, with Justin and Leslie and Tom and Tina, like we've seen such good hospitality like shown to us. And I always felt like, oh, I can't be good enough. I can't be good enough. (laughs) But um, just always being encouraged to be like, you know, it's okay, step out, do it, you know. And then so eventually we did start having like our home Church coming to our house uh, certain times we would like share the load in a sense um, so that was good stepping out but I feel like it was more of a pushing right you were saying so yeah
1: I was just gonna say yeah um, to mirror her story same thing had hospitality modeled to me growing up my parents we always had people in the house uh, again Mike and Dwina among many others in our church modeled hospitality to us I think of the Hearts I think of the Yorks. Just tons of family. It was just—it was very common in our church, um, and yet it was still just kind of like a—I ah, don't know about it, you know. Um, and I would definitely give credit to Justin for kind of thrusting us into hospitality. Um, it was just kind of like, hey, so we need somewhere else to host group, and uh, you have a house, so we're like, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> and I just remember it was like so overwhelming at first, but um, yeah, it's funny how over time it becomes normal you know like we're just so used to having people over now but that was obviously not always the case and so just to echo the like it's a muscle that needs to be exercised um, I just remember the stress of like you know our house really like I don't know this isn't as good as other houses and our food isn't as good and our you know like all of these things our parking situation I remember the first time we had a small group at our house I sent a map to our small group group chat I'd be like this is the places you can park <laughs> it's like a tiny little townhouse community you know But, yeah, no, I think it was well-modeled for us, and we just really needed kind of a push from the community to to step out and do it, so.
0: And you're doing it fantastically. Thank you. Give me a hand. (laughs) Lucy's allowed back now. Come on, Lucy. Come on. (laughs) Lucy was going to be away, so all these people tried to get out of it, and I'm like, no, I'll just just record it. (laughs) I'm not getting out of it.
3: Hi everybody, Uh, Mike asked me to say a few words about my history with hospitality and I have to say it's kind of a complicated relationship. Um, Growing up in our home, I equated being hospitable normally with a lot of stress and a lot of conflict. Uh, My mom was a British woman who liked everything to be just right, so like clean house and the right dishes the right um, glassware and the little details were super important to her, but it caused a lot of stress to get it right. And my dad didn't care about that stuff at all. So he was all about just getting together who cares what the house state is. And inevitably it led to a lot of conflict. And I being the oldest child was normally, you know, right smack dab in the middle of that. And so for me, I just thought of it as a chore. It was a chore. I didn't want to be a part of it was just, it wasn't fun. It wasn't joyful and I was quite happy to not have it at all Um, but then as I you know grew up and matured and got married uh, Darren and I have always um, you know invited people into our home but it was normally in small numbers it was normally one person who might not have you know a place to go over the holidays or um, you know single parents Uh, we've always had a heart for them and they just always end up being part of our dinner tables and and it it but it wasn't something that was very intentional, just happened very naturally. And of course, then when you start having kids and then you have more than one kid, and then you have lots of children, to be honest with you, hospitality kind of went out the window. It was more a matter of survival at that point. And um, you know, you do what's easy at that point. and And it was more you know, having other parents that are in the same boat as you come over and play dates and things like that tend to take over. Um, so intentional hospitality of getting to know people outside of our sphere It didn't happen a lot when our kids were little and um, I think the turning point in how I view hospitality, how both Darren and I view it actually came when we started going to City Gates and that is honest. Um, I remember when we started coming close to 10 years ago now, I had not seen hospitality walked out as I had in this church. Um, It was a high on the importance level and was shown to us at at every point, um, and of course, being in Mike and Edwina's home group, uh, they walk out hospitality unlike anything I'd ever seen before. So of course, getting to know them and being a part of that group has challenged us and and forced it to forced us to really look at you know how do we view people in our neighborhood? How do we view um, our spare time? What do we do with it? And and um, you know I think that we've really grown in that area now where we when we have free time at the weekends and, and free Fridays and things like that, we're often asking ourselves, who can we invite over? Um, and we've never used to do that. And, and I'll be honest, like, you know, the final question here is what's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is simply exhaustion. Um, I think we all live really busy lives and, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it's easy that, that, um, you know, we have these magical powers that's, you know, we just love having people over at all times. I mean, that's not reality. We live in a very busy world. I said the difference now is that um, we ask ourselves to create and be intentional about how we're going to be hospitable in our life. And I have to tell you, it's, you know, our life has been so enriched um, by investing in families and, and people at church Um you know, people who who don't have family here, um, we've we've carved out time, and in return, it's just been enormous how full our lives are, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, there's still areas to grow, I think, for us in particular. It's always going to be a little harder for us to invite the people we don't know over it's always easier once you get to know people let's just invite those people over over and over again (laughs) um so there's definitely ways for us to grow but it's become part of our normal life now like it's just um part of the everyday conversation so that's my view and Darren's view on hospitality
0: thank you Lucy Hmm. (laughs) Sam Sam Can you hold this? I, I will try. You, try. you know I talk with my hands. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, this is Samantha. She heads up our uh, kids ministry, and uh, she's part of our small group, which has mm-hmm. been fabulous to watch her and Dylan's journey. How long have you been a Christian now, approximately?
4: Like maybe since like the pandemic-ish. Whatever. You have to use the microphone. The pandemic-ish time.
0: <laughs> yeah. She, she became a Christian online. and uh, And has a great story. So Samantha's going to share for four minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs>
4: All right, so Mike asked me to share a little bit about my history with hospitality. And I thought the best way to explain it to you guys would be to tell you the story of when Dylan first came to my house. So we'd been dating for a few weeks. We'd mostly hung out at like restaurants over at his place, like nature walks. He was still trying, you know, it be nice. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't let him come to my house. I wouldn't let him pick me up. I was very standoff. He, I didn't tell him where I lived. He would ask and I would say Durham. Every time he asked me where I lived, I said Durham. <laughs> That's all he got. Yeah, he was so welcoming to me. He kept inviting me to his house. He was so hospitable. The first time I actually went there, cute Dylan story. He had bought every flavor of Sparkle water because he saw a can in my cup holder the night before. I've mean, right? never put cute and Dylan in the same he's sentence. He's the he's so cute. <laughs> the guy's like six foot ten.
0: Anyway, sorry I interrupt.
4: Well, see, because of that, I realized that he was pretty cute and pretty cool. (laughs) So I finally invited him over to my house, but again, wouldn't let him drive there. I insisted on picking him up. On our drive back, I added 15, 20 minutes to the drive, random turns here and there, loops through subdivisions. It was like a really nice scenic drive for him. I just wanted to make sure that if I stopped liking him, there was no way he was gonna find his way back to my house. (laughs) That's, That's what it was, right? So, the reason for that was because at that point, I saw my house as all mine, my private space that I went to get away from people, so I had no idea why people invited people to their house. It made no sense to me. Why? Seinfeld, Poppins, Friends, a nightmare. I would hate that. I would hate (laughs) to live that life. Nightmare. So, you know, finally he comes over. I let him, let him in. And, uh... You know, when I was saved, that outlook didn't change. I'm not going to lie. I still felt that way. I still felt like my space was mine. Dylan and I did not welcome people into our home much, and that was just where we were at. But at the same time, we were meeting all these city gates, you know, our new City gates family, and they're inviting us over to their homes and just being so welcoming to us. And I realized that their hospitality was really breaking down my walls and letting mm-hmm. our relationship with each other deepen, and ultimately, my relationship with Jesus deepen. Um so you know, there. Jesus had used them to change my heart. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had been so wrong for so long. Don't tell Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) That my home is not mine, but it's a blessing to be shared. Somewhere Mm -hmm. that I could deepen my relationship with others, deepen my relationship with Christ. So now hospitality. I very much enjoy being hospitable. (laughs) I now tell people my address. (laughs) They know I live in Pickering. (laughs) So yeah, now it's one of the greatest joys. It really is one of the greatest joys is, is hosting people and... I'll say I I said shed a few tears, but really it's like I cry like a baby often at home group when it's at my house because I'm so honored that I went from that to having this group of people gathering in fellowship, glorifying God like under my roof. So that's just been a big change for me. Again, I'm not that perfect, so I still have problems. (laughs) And I find that for me, when life pops up like holidays sicknesses schedule changes anything that the easiest thing to drop off your schedule is welcoming people into your home first thing that can drop off so i just try to be you know conscious of scheduling it in like as i would anything else just scheduling hosting as if you would anything else you're scheduling done
0: Uh, that's good. It's okay. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. He's threatened to ask uh, questions uh, after. <laughs> <laughs> I can go to my phone uh, with fun. You can. You can. You're <laughs> great. i
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, that was uh, that was amazing. You know, when, when Dylan and Samantha first, uh, first started coming to our small group, um, when we asked, because we always throw it open to see who would like to host, and... The first time they put their hand up, I was like, yes! <laughs> you know, because I knew they'd crossed over. You know, they'd crossed over from this is my world to I'm willing to take a risk and share. And I'm pretty sure the first time, was it pretty tense for you when people were coming over? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she was completely, you know, freaked out and, and, uh, you know, But it's, been, it's really been seamless for them. And we love going to their home and watching their transition. Uh, they, they have such an amazing story of transformation. Um, it's almost with our small group. Uh, our small group is, can be, you know, okay, we're going along, we're going along. And then, then Dylan and Samantha share something. We're like, oh, okay, that's, this is why we do this. This is why we do this. When you hear their history and their story and how Jesus has changed them, Uh, Watching them now be hospitable is an... I mean, you have to understand what a massive step that is based on their history. It is massive. I'm going to conclude before we do communion with reading a quote, another quote from um, Rosaria Butterfield. And this was her quote. She said, Hospitality is worth it. Hospitality develops eyes to see. It sharpens the sore of God's word on our hard hearts. It develops bold intimacy among people who would never have reason to be friends. It grieves the loss of missed opportunities to serve. It shudders at Jesus' words, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick And in prison, and you did not visit me. As you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Jesus identifies with the stranger, the outsider, the needy. Daily hospitality hones a distinctive Christian culture from within as it embraces evangelistic evangelistic optimism, knowing that if God wills, strangers will become neighbors and neighbors will become part of the family of God. Who knows? This may happen at your kitchen table tonight. A beautiful quote to end uh, time together before we have communion. So I would just encourage you to practice hospitality. Find a way of practicing it. It is a muscle for many, many people is atrophied and needs to be developed. Once you start developing it, you realize, man, It's actually the only way to live. You may think you want your your me time all the time or your private time by yourself and all that stuff. At the end of the day, I would challenge you, when you spend that evening by yourself, watching that movie that was going to make you fulfilled, or, or just doing that thing you were just so desired to do, I would challenge you to examine how you feel at the end of that day before you go to bed. Do you feel fulfilled, or do you feel as empty as you did before you started on that journey for fulfillment with life's pleasures? I will promise you this. I will promise you this. If you invest those evenings occasionally, once a week, once every two weeks, start once a month if you've never done it before. If you start doing that, you will go to bed at night completely fulfilled when you've experienced being hospitable to people. It is a wonderful way to live. We are going to, uh, I mean, we're going to have a meal together. It's not that appetizing, it's crackers and a little bit of juice, but it's incredibly symbolic of what we spoke about tonight. Why don't we stand together? You know, I think Brian last week was talking about the Last Supper and, and the significance of that, and when Jesus you know, broke the bread and, and they drank the wine together, you know he was talking about this incredible sacrifice that was going to happen, right like now, soon, you know. And uh, we look at that sacrifice, and I think, you, a know, time of worship today, wasn't it wonderful? It was we all kind of pushed through a little bit more than usual, even. it was great. Uh, but it reminds us of what we're all about. What is this family we're a part of? What is this sacrifice that has changed our lives? And so as we partake of this today, what I'll have you do is I'll have you come and, and, and uh, grab the... Uh, so you can start doing that actually right now. Just come up and grab the emblems. And then just, you know, go into groups of maybe six and, um, and just pray for each other. You don't have to, you don't have to ask them what to pray. What is it you need? Just pray the blessings of God over their lives. And thank God for what he's done for us. Thank God for his family. And uh, let's make this a, a meaningful time as we partake of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus together. So while you're assembling, I'll just pray. And then um, and I'll let you in your group... Appoint a leader, and after you've prayed a little bit, or, or however, you want to do the emblems together, I'll let whoever's leading your group decide on that. But Lord, we thank you um, for the power of the broken body of Christ and the poured out blood of Jesus. We celebrate you today. We celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your kindness. Lord, the fact that you take the lonely which is all of us, and put us in a family, the family of God, is remarkable. And so, Lord, today as we gather around these emblems, Lord, they may seem insignificant, but my goodness, this is something you told us to do. And think about your next, your return to us again, and the enormity of your kingdom. Lord, we want to reflect on those things today as we partake of this. So, Lord, we partake. And we celebrate each other as we do this today. In Jesus' name, amen. So take the time, pray together. And as you want to, whoever's leading, choose a leader and decide how you want to do this. Um, thank you, guys. Um, some people are still praying, so please continue. The rest of us, if you want to move over there, we can have coffee together. Let's, uh, let's hang out with each other for a bit before we exit. I know we went a bit longer, but... Uh, very important point that I would have missed. We are doing Come Dine With Me Again. Mike, can you bring it up? Come Dine With Me Again, which is an opportunity. Thank you, Mike. I have it written down and totally forgot. Uh, which is an opportunity to either host or be hosted. So there's sign-up sheets at the back. So what we do is we'll have a number of hosts, and they will prepare a meal in conjunction with other people. Okay, just, yeah, eye contact is helpful. Okay, chatty group over there. <laughs> I know, I can see that, yeah. Um, so come down with me. Uh, what we do is we uh, have host families and we have guests. So um, either you will be one who will have you open your home and have people in, or you will sign up to be a guest. And so there's, if you want to do either one or both, put your name on the list over at the back there, and we will all be organizing that in the next number of weeks. So come down with me is back, and uh, we'll look forward to that. So Mike, where are the signs? Where are the sign-ups? Sign ups on, the, on the, the desk right there, OK? All right guys, let's have coffee. God bless.